wished we could somehow harness Pastor Jeff's energy. Like, we could pay our electric bill for like a year, right? I mean, that guy is something else. But yeah, uh, if you're a guest with us for the first time, a special welcome to you. My name is Joe, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the chapel. And like Jeff said, we are diving into the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been in this series called The Wisdom Literature. Uh, we went through Proverbs, and we talked about the seven deadly sins. Last week, we were in the book of Psalms. This week, we are in Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the idea of meaning. And this book was written by Solomon, who was one of the wisest, richest men who ever lived. And Solomon was a man that had it all. By all outward appearances, people would, have say, would say his life had meaning. It meant something. And I want to ask you this question. <clears throat> Where would you say that you try to find meaning in life? I was wrestling through this yesterday, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know, for you, what was it where you felt like, okay, if I just get this, then my life is going to have value, it's going to have purpose, it's going to have meaning, and she said, well, for me, it was, you know, getting married, and I was like, okay, well, how is it? She's like, it's okay. <laughs> like, okay, like, I'm a delight, like, come on now. You know, so I asked her, I said, well, what do you think it is about for me? And she, like, immediately was like, well, for you, it's always been, like, you know, fitness, health, physical appearance, stuff like that. Because, you know, when I was a kid, it, I was always that chubby kid. You know, I had glasses that were so thick you could see the future. And I just, like, I always got picked on. <clears throat> so later in life, it was like something switched. And... <clears throat> I just aggressively went against that. And you know, I tried really hard to get fit. I did all kinds of different things. <clears throat> Excuse me, I ran a marathon. I got into powerlifting. And you know, because I, I felt like, okay, if I could just get like in really good shape, then like my life will have meaning. It's gonna have purpose, it's gonna have value. And so like I did it, you know, I lost like 100 pounds. I got in really good shape. I got to be in Men's Health Magazine. And some of you are like, that's really cool. What's a magazine? <laughs> It's like when they used to print the internet, all right, for you young people. And um, I was like, I was like, oh, this is so cool. My life had meaning and I felt awesome and it worked for like two weeks. And I was just like, all right, it still isn't enough. And I still was scrambling, trying to find meaning in something, right? Uh, I don't know what it is for you. It might be succeeding at work or raising a great family, running your fastest mile, hitting a new PR on a lift. It might be your house and just creating an amazing space to live that everybody envies and enjoys. Maybe it's just enjoying the weekends. Maybe you just want to have a comfortable life. It might be financial freedom, helping other people to succeed, uh, building an am amazing cars, uh, guys or girls getting that trophy buck for the den. Maybe that's what gives you meaning. Maybe it's traveling, golfing every week, maybe twice a week, uh, writing music, creating incredible art, could be a lot of things, right, where we try to find meaning. And here's what Solomon had to say about finding meaning in life. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Wow. Are you encouraged? Just like, get like that on a framed canvas in your bedroom, just a mountain and just everything is meaningless. Remind yourself every morning before you go to work, right? And, and by the way, this is kind of the main theme of the entire book. Solomon begins the whole book with this statement that everything 
is meaningless, completely meaningless. And now, it might seem like Solomon's overacting a little bit here, or being a little extreme, but at the same time, haven't you had points? I think we've all had points in our life where we're like, what's the point? This feels kind of meaningless. For work, you know, think about work. Maybe you did everything right. You showed up early, you stayed late, you went above and beyond, you took on other people's tasks, you know, you got promoted, um, you were advancing, everything was going great, and then all of a sudden the company's restructuring and your job gets eliminated. And you might just be like, okay, this, this is just meaningless. What's the point? This feels meaningless. Or, you know, I think about kids. You know, you might be a great parent, and you've, you've tried to do your best, and you've made some mistakes, but you've owned up to them. You've provided for your kids. You teach them the Bible. You make sure that they're in church every week. They go through student ministry. You try to send them to camp. Um, you try to help them get good grades. You maybe help pay for their college. And then out of the blue, it's like, they rebel against you and maybe walk away from the faith, and you're like, all right, this, this just feels kind of meaningless here. When it comes to relationships, you might be in a relationship or have been in a relationship where you really care about the other person. You try to put their needs first. You work on your own issues. You go to counseling. You went to marriage counseling, couples counseling, pre-marriage counseling. Um, you just try to serve that person and love that person, and then out of the blue, you find out that they've been, been cheating on you, or you get served divorce papers, and you might feel like, man, what, what's the point? This just feels meaningless. Or I think about health, right? Maybe you're the type of person, you know, you, you jog, you take care of yourself, you get your steps in, uh, you eat those things, um, vegetables. Uh, <laughs> apparently, those are good for you. You do all the things right. You take vitamins. You just do everything. And then one day, you know, your doctor, you go in for an appointment and they have to tell you that you have terminal cancer. And then you feel like, all right, what's the point? This just feels meaningless. And this list could go on and on. And if we're honest, some, most of us, if probably all of us have had some points in our life where this feels meaningless. But maybe what Solomon shares can keep us from trying to find meaning in places where it doesn't exist or discover how we can find real meaning. And so we're going to be all over in the book of Ecclesiastes. And about the first three chapters, if you want to open your Bibles or use the YouVersion app, and I'll have the text on the screen for you. But Solomon has some strong thoughts here. First, he talks about wisdom. And he says that wisdom is meaningless. Here's what he says. So I, the teacher, was king of Israel and lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really it's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. He goes on, I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing this all, this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. So I'm thinking, all right, is Solomon really saying wisdom is meaningless, useless? Because wisdom is a good thing. I mean, that's what we named this series about. 
And, and I think one of the secrets to understanding Solomon's statement is found in Ecclesiastes 1.14. He says, I observed everything going on under the sun, and it really is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. I love what gotquestions.org says. It says that Solomon is sharing an earthbound perspective. He is only considering life under the sun. That is, a human life lived to the exclusion of any consideration of God. From that godless perspective, everything is indeed meaningless. Solomon is saying something here about pursuing wisdom, having wisdom, yet neglecting God. He says that is pointless. That is meaningless. <clears throat> he goes on, he says, pleasure is meaningless. In Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 2, he said, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it to seek pleasure? Now, Solomon has some authority on this issue. Remember, he was one of the richest men in all of history, so he had the resources to test his theory. He says, so I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. So Solomon really had it all. I mean, he said, I denied myself no pleasure. He lived as a full-out hedonist, and because he was so rich, he could have anything that he wanted, all right? Wine, gold, servants, women, and his conclusion? He said it's meaningless. He said it's like chasing the wind. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not someone who tries to find meaning in wisdom or in pleasure. Maybe for you, you find value in work, in being productive, but Solomon has some strong words. He says that work is meaningless. As we go into, further into Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he says, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything that I have earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will continue to control everything I have, gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless. So I gave up in despair questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This, too, is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. So again, he says from experience that work is meaningless. It's all meaningless if it doesn't serve a higher purpose. So Solomon finds meaningless in all of these areas of life, all areas of life where we have probably tried to find meaning. And in a lot of ways, Solomon lived a life that our world, our culture would say, no, that's it. That's where you find happiness you know, through pleasure, through work, through achievement, through, through whatever it is, right? And deep down, a lot of us still do that, right? Even if you're a follower of Jesus, we're still trying to find meaning and purpose in pleasure or work or wealth or wisdom. But at the end of the day, Solomon says that we're not going to find meaning in any of those things. In fact, he said they were meaningless. And this meaninglessness, what happens is it can lead to hopelessness. 
Because our desire for meaning, it can make us unrealistically expectant. It can make us vulnerable to temptation. It can make us driven, dependent on people and things that are only going to disappoint you and leave you feeling like, what's the point of all of this, right? But throughout this book, Solomon comes to another conclusion that I think can give us some hope. For instance, look at what he says in Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 11. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. This word eternity is the key because you and I, we were created for eternity. We were not created for just this world. We were created for something that this world, this temporary world cannot give us. We were created to find our hope, our value, our purpose, and our meaning in God, which brings us to our bottom line. This bottom line is the, is the one thing that if you remember one thing that I say this weekend, it's this, is that God brings meaning to the meaningless. When we believe in God and we trust him, we realize that this often meaningless life is temporary and we were created for more than this world. And when we have an eternal perspective, it helps us to see the here and now in an entirely new light. That all of the things that we enjoy in this life, all of these things that we try to find meaning in, they were created to point us to something greater. They're not the end, but the means to an end. And when we make them the end, again, they become meaningless. They were designed to point us to God. A God who loves us. A God who wants to be in relationship with us. A God who gave us this physical physical creation, not for us to find meaning, in, to point, but to point us to the one who is able to give us meaning. It is this personal relationship with God that brings meaning to the meaningless. How? Well, when we realize that what we experience in this life is a gift from God, then we can start to enjoy it in its proper perspective. You know, wealth is a good thing right? If you realize that it is a gift from God given to you to not just keep and hoard for yourself, but to use it to make this world a better place. Work is a good thing and that can serve a higher purpose when we understand that God has us in our job for more than just a paycheck. Relationships are a good thing when we don't put our entire worth and value and meaning upon that person or those people. Solomon is starting to see these gifts, these things in their correct perspective. And then he wraps it all up. He summarizes it all. He, summarizes it all. he says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's bad. So Solomon says, that's it. That's everything I've got. Here's my conclusion. The conclusion of all conclusions, and it's what? Well, he says, to fear God. To fear God. And, and this, this phrase, fear God, I think is so often misunderstood. 
Many people think it means to be afraid of God, you know, to cower in fear. You know, is he gonna, is he gonna you know, hit me with lightning or something if I mess up? No, fear God, I think the best definition of this is to, is to take God and his word seriously. We are called to live in respect of God and his commandments. And we won't see life appropriately if we don't have that perspective, an eternal perspective. And then he says, the next thing is to obey his commands. Solomon is saying that out of this fear, out of this respect and love for God, it should lead us to obeying his commands. Even Jesus said in John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, what? You will obey my commands. Now, what he's not saying is, hey, if, if you want me to love you, obey my commands. Meaning that, okay, if we obey God's commands, then he will love us. No, no, no. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Which means that we know we love God when we obey his commands. We obey them out of his love, out of gratitude for that. You know that it has settled in your heart when you start to trust God to the point that you listen to what he says and you actually do it. He says, this is everyone's duty. Now, this is an unfortunate translation because the word duty doesn't appear in the Hebrew text. Really, that phrase simply says that this is the all of man. This is his purpose. This is the meaning of life. This is what brings meaning to your life, to live in right relationship with God and to obey his commands, to obey what he says. This is the purpose, which I think then begs the question, all right, so what are the commands? What are the commands? Jesus said in 1 John, he says, this is, this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. God's number one command is to believe in Jesus. The greatest commandment is to love God by believing in his son and then to love others. Now, what do we say when we, when, what do we mean when we say that word believe, right? Because you can believe in a lot of things. I mean, I believe in Abraham Lincoln. It doesn't really change my life, right? You may believe in Jesus and the fact that you believe a set of historical facts, that, that there was a guy in Nazareth named Jesus, and he was born, and he had a group of disciples, and maybe he even did miracles. Maybe you believe that he was crucified and that he even was raised from the dead, all right? But, but it's not just that you believe that Jesus existed, not even that he died and was raised to life, but that he did that for you. He did that for you. That is the gospel. That Jesus fulfilled the requirements of God's law and died on our behalf so that we could be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. And because of that, now you have meaning in the reality that because of Jesus, you are completely known, completely accepted, and completely loved by God. Solomon understood this. Solomon understood the importance of a relationship with God. Solomon had it all, and his conclusion is that if we have, we have it all, we have everything that this life has to offer, but we don't have God, then we have nothing. We have nothing. And you'll never be able to truly enjoy anything in this life in its proper perspective without that relationship and you will always search for meaning 
in places where it can't be found, places you'll never find it. A relationship with Jesus is what brings meaning to the meaningless. God brings meaning to the meaningless. So what does this look like? Because right? I love to be very practical with you. What does this look like tomorrow? Or what does this look like on Thursday or next week? Well, I think some questions to ask could be very helpful here. So here's some next step questions. One is where do you tend to find meaning and worth? You know, is it pleasure? You know, you might be the type of person, you live for the weekend. You know, you love going golfing. You just love enjoying life. And that's what gives you meaning, right? That's what you long for. And, and you could tell is because when you don't get it, you start to get frustrated. But the reality is that a day is coming when those things won't exist anymore for you. Or maybe it's work. You find meaning in work. You know, you work hard, you're doing well, you've, you've moved through the company, whatever that might be, and you know, like, that's what makes you fulfilled. But here's the problem is you don't know what that's going to look like tomorrow. Again, your company could downsize or restructure or just find out that you may not be needed anymore. Or maybe it's wealth. Maybe that's what gives you value. You've worked hard all of your life and you've accumulated things and they make you feel like, okay, you have meaning and you have purpose. But the problem is, is like your stocks could tank. You could lose your job. You know, you could have a, a, an illness that clears out your bank account. You never know what's going to happen. You're skating on thin ice. Or maybe it's wisdom. You've made it your point to figure out life by knowing as much as you can, and you read like crazy, and you study, and you research, and you're very engaged um, intellectually. But let me ask you, is it working? Is it working? You know, or maybe it's your family. Right? Maybe that's what you find meaning in. And, and here's the problem with that, is if you're like me, if you're trying to find meaning and you want your family to look a certain way because you think if, if your family looks a certain way, then that's going to make you important. What happens is you start to control and manipulate people. Right? And what will give you meaning is if your kids go and they become successful and they live in a, the right way, the way that you think they should live. But the reality is, is that they're autonomous. They are all individual people, and they will make their own decisions. And if that's where your meaning is, when they don't turn out the way that you want them to, it's going to be devastating. So here's what I would say, is I would say, instead of making your own self-assessment on this, here's a fun little conversation you can have on the way home. Ask someone else who knows you and loves you and cares about you enough to maybe hurt your feelings and say, where in life do you see me trying to find meaning where it won't be found? And here's the key. Believe them. Believe them. Because our capacity for self-deception is, is, is infinite. But other people can see things we don't. Now, I say believe them because your tendency, if you're like me, is going to be to, one, one, explain it, defend it, try to justify it, or blame it on someone or something else, right? Ask someone else, and then believe them. Number two, how might my relationship with God bring meaning to these things? What would change if you really saw these things from an eternal perspective? What kind of freedom would your life have if you quit trying to look for meaning where it can belong? Find your meaning in the fact that God loves you unconditionally. Do you think your life would be better or worse? Do you think your kids and your family and your friends would be better off or worse? 
Or you might be here, and you're just checking this whole Jesus thing out. You know, maybe you came with a friend or whatever, and that is awesome. This is a place for you to wrestle through your doubts and your questions, but you got to start with, do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you really know about this Jesus? Because maybe you believe a set of historical facts, but do you know him? Do you know him? And if you don't, and you have questions, I'll tell you what, either me or Pastor Jeff, we love answering those questions, and we'd be more than happy to talk to you about that after the service this morning. And then the last one I would say, number three, is to apply the gospel. Because, and I'm telling you, as Christians, we're not immune to this, right? But maybe you're looking for, play, for meaning in a place where it can't be found. And here's how you know this, because you keep going back over and over and over, right? I am convinced that I am one more Amazon purchase away from fulfillment. And it hasn't worked yet, but guess what? I'm gonna keep trying. I just need more brown boxes on my porch, right? You keep going back, right? This is, you're trying to find meaning in a place it can't be found because this is why you can't stop even though you've told yourself and others that you can at any time, right? It's why you're killing it at work, but your kids, they don't know you. It's why you're financially successful, but you're stressed out and you're neurotic and you're unable to enjoy life and use what God has given you to make other people's lives better. It's why you might be incredibly brilliant. People would say you are so wise, but you are terrified of death because you don't know what's coming. It's why your family is at odds because your expectations of them are suffocating because you're trying to find meaning where it doesn't belong. So I think that Jesus would tell you in all of these things that he's better. He's a better place to find meaning because he promises you that he'll never, never let you down. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And when you find yourself in me looking for meaning in places where it can't be found, and you see yourself moving towards dysfunction and over-desire, remind yourself that in Jesus, you are fully known, fully loved, and fully accepted by God. And nothing, nothing can ever take that away. And when you understand that, when it settles in your heart, trying to find meaning in anything else, it's like throwing cups of water into the ocean. It doesn't matter because God gives meaning to the meaningless. Father God, I stand before you grateful that you have given meaning to my life. And God, I stand here like everyone else who at times still, still finds myself longing to find meaning here on earth, and it's not there. And so for, for God, for me and everyone else here, I pray that when, when we see ourselves or someone else sees us trying to find meaning where we'll never find it, God, that you would remind us of the gospel that you would remind us that we are fully known, fully loved, and fully accepted by you, and nothing else could give our lives more meaning than that. So God, as we walk out of here, I pray that we would be willing to wrestle with some hard questions, to, to, to have some difficult conversations, and to think and to pray and to ask for your help. God, thank you that you'll never leave us or forsake us. You will never disappoint us. In Jesus' name. Amen.